Ladies and gentlemen, what is good? My name is Jay Christian Gary, otherwise known as the Chillmeister Chris Gary. My partner in crime is Andrew Benjamin, and you are listening to us shooting the shit on the We Are Rising podcast. If you would like to put in your request, please feel free to follow us on Twitter. Our show tag is at We Are Rising Pod. That is W E A R E R I C I N P O D. All in one word. My hash, I mean, my Twitter handle is at ChrisGary92. C H R I S G A R Y 92. All in one word. Andrews at Abenja1. A B E N J A1. All in one word. We'll talk a little bit more about our CEOs later on as the podcast progresses. Andrew, is there anything you would like to say to all the happy folks? listening to us right now. Uh, all the happy folks out there, I uh, hope that they're listening, uh, enjoying what we've been doing for quite a long time, or, uh, or I should say for quite a while. I don't know if it's necessarily counts as a long time, but I uh, hope that we bring enjoyment and entertainment to their either their commutes, their time off, or just you know helping their interests with uh, just, you know, continuing their interest in the JMMA world that unfortunately does not get the coverage and respect that it deserves over here. In my, in my personal opinion, I'll say. I see. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and break out of this quiet storm bullshit because that's true. A lot of people don't really have much love or respect for Japanese MMA or even Asian MMA outside of your usual sources, John Hyun-Kong or AsianMMA.com or even the good folks at Asian Persuasion MMA. But it just really pisses, it should piss us off, it pisses me off especially that you got folks like Dave Meltzer and Ariel Hawaii who only give a damn about what's going on with the big promotions like UFC and Bellator that they don't even dare to look at what's going on outside of those two promotions or even outside of 1FC with their big deal with Turner Sports. Yep, uh, and it's funny that, uh, so it's so funny that, you know, even one, I think it's because one has that television deal of TNT. They are getting a lot more coverage uh, with um, Western MMA media than uh, I would probably say other promotions maybe sh- should get more of. Um, like Ryzen. But, you know, I, be, be on TNT, you know. Just like AEW, be on TNT. That helps a lot. Exactly. And that's why I think that when it comes to, you know, mainstream attention, Ryzen is pretty much missing out on that aside from the New Year's Eve shows. 
Yep, yep. Um, Which is funny because, and I hate to interrupt, even though it's kind of my thing, <laughs> but still, this time last year, and we didn't know this until the final seconds of this, you know, coming about. We're getting close to like the one year anniversary, the one year anniversary of the urgent podcast we did about it. But you remember all that hype surrounding the one bout that people basically got their panties in a bunch for, Mayweather and Asakawa? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who could not remember that? <laughs> yep. It was basically all that... It was basically all that outside MMA media really gave much of a damn about... Because everybody was basically shit can intention because they're thinking and they obviously were right saying, oh, you know, this young boy, all he knows how to do is, you know, spinning back fist and tornado kicks and all that shit. But when he goes into a boxing ring, it's limited. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I guess... Uh, I guess in hindsight, I'm curious to know, do you think the, you know, it's almost a year to that, uh, to when that fight happened. Um, do you think that it was worth it in the end? Um, as far as the money retention, uh, probably not because of the fact that even though he did lose, even though he did lose to Floyd Mayweather, obviously, his career hasn't stopped. I mean, he's still kicking ass and rise and rise in. But, you know, his career hasn't stopped because of it. I just think that when it comes to, you know, the bigger opportunities, and he's saying that he wants to be a part of the Japanese Olympic team coming up, I don't know if that's going to happen because of the fact that you know, everybody's getting their panties in a bunch when it comes down to this new rule for <laughs> boxers, whereas you don't have to be, you know, an amateur, period, just to be in the Olympics anymore for boxing. You can come into the Olympics with an established professional record and still, you know, face off against some of the best fighters in the world. Which I think, I know that's taking a page out of, you know, the early night, the late 80s, early 90s, when FIBA, the International Basketball Federation, allowed for players to represent Team USA and the rest of its history there. But I think that rule is pretty fucking stupid because you're going to, I mean, you might have a guy in Andy Ruiz was the current heavyweight champion of the world, by the way, the lineal heavyweight champion. <laughs> He's going to be facing off in a rematch against Anthony Joshua on December 7th in Saudi Arabia. He wants to go into the Olympics and represent Mexico, becoming the first heavyweight champion to win an Olympic gold medal going into the Olympics. I just think that shit is stupid. So, uh, so Andy Ruiz says he wants to represent Mexico as a champion, as a heavyweight champion. Yes, yes, yeah. 
I mean, even though he grew up in the Inland Empire in California, I mean, basically, he says he wants to represent Mexico in the Olympics. So, uh, has that ever been done before where, where a champion has went to the Olympics while champion? Uh, no, that it has not. I mean, there have been plenty of Olympians, obviously, who... There have been plenty of Olympians, whether they have medaled in the championship rounds or not, that have obviously emerged as champions. The most notable ones, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Roy Jones Jr., the Klitschko brothers, and Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Well, if I was his manager, I would say... Probably, if you're a champion, you really shouldn't go to the Olympics. I was it, uh, He has a WBA t- heavyweight title, right? WBA, WBO, IBF, and uh, some some governing body called the International Boxing Organization. But nobody really gives a fine fuck. I don't know. Like, would I don't know if they would uh, would want. Uh, would you? Uh, if I'm either organization, would I want? No, I would probably say you're not. No, no. I, I, I mean, I guess that's quite ambitious. And I gotta say, you know, hey, you know, good on him for wanting to do something like that. But let's be honest. Yeah, I, I would not say that's a smart thing to do. And I don't think I, I don't think yeah. If I was his manager, I would tell him like, yeah, no, no, uh, no, dog, that ain't happening. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, because you're basically putting millions now, millions of dollars on the table just to chase a dream that you basically had an entire window to do before you got into the sport of boxing professionally to make money, and now it's all wasted. Yeah. I mean, even as a non-champion contender, even as, like, a journeyman boxer, the last thing you should think about is, you know, I'm going to get into the Olympics and represent my country, when really, as a professional boxer, you shouldn't really think about getting back into the amateur ranks, because if you end up getting back into the amateur ranks, you're going to have to go to qualifying, you're going to have to go through the Olympic trials, <laughs> and then you're gonna have to go through this long, rigorous process before you get into the Olympics, and that's gonna be even hard enough because you're gonna basically have to pay for your, you're gonna have to basically pay your way to join the U.S. Olymp- I mean, to join whatever Olympic team allows this. Or if you're in Russia, you're basically just hand picked. But mm-hmm. that's another story for another time because they love to. Treat their athletes like guinea pigs. <laughs> China, still. China as well. Exactly. And look at those small gym. Look at those small gymnasts. Those will give you proof. But still, point of the matter is, I don't see why a professionally trained boxer or kickboxer, for that matter, would want to waste thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars trying to get into the Olympics and basically risk it all on an opportunity that they would have had 
years to get into if they would have had the proper, you know, IQ to get into the sport of boxing. Now, question: Did Tenjin say he wants to be in, in traditional boxing? Is there? I don't, there's there, the Olympics don't doesn't have uh, kickboxing, does it? No, it doesn't have kickboxing. It doesn't have it doesn't have grappling or MMA. It never will have MMA, unfortunately. And they are probably still about they're probably still more likely to lose wrestling, like amateur Greco-Roman or freestyle wrestling for the Olympics more than anything else. So basically, <laughs> basically, no, they don't have MMA or kickboxing in the Olympics. So he, would, he, he wouldn't be able to do, so attention then would not be able to do, uh, okay, so, well, because here's the thing. Um, obviously, you know who now, now, uh, now, now, yeah, is, right? Now, yeah, now your monster in the way. N a o y a n i n o u e. I'm guessing that he must have um, what do you call it? Um, Olympic aspirations as well. But he is a traditional boxer, mm-hmm. and so if I'm <clears throat> the Japanese sports committee thing or whatever. I'm gonna go with Inoue probably, in terms in terms of like who I want as a boxer, representing Japan. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't. To be honest, that would be cool. But unfortunately, he's about to go into a pretty important bout against Nomito Donaire this upcoming week. I think it's Wednesday, November seventh. Yes. Yes, you're correct. Uh, it's a tournament, I believe, right? Yeah, the Ali the World Boxing Super Series Championship bout for the Muhammad Ali Trophy, and actually, that is Thursday, November seventh, not Wednesday. <laughs> um. So I mean, like, I don't know, like, how, how when uh, uh when the uh. I guess the the boxers for the Japanese uh, team will start training, but I'm guessing they're gonna probably train sooner la- sooner rather than later. But I don't know he could he he would be able to do both. I think. What well, uh when's the tournament uh, I guess uh, end or when's it presumed to end? Which one? Uh the, the uh uh Inoue's tournament. Oh, tournament ends on Wednesday. And that's the final fight. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, then he could definitely do the Olympics. Uh, if, 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 if he were to qualify. Yeah, but if he does the Olympics, he would have to give up all his professional titles. It would make no use. True, true. Um, hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, clearly, we got, uh, so it looks like it will come. Probably the uh, Japanese Olympic team will come down to either uh, tension or uh, probably in a way. True, true. Speaking of box, I uh, don't think it would make any sense though because of the fact that you know 
if you're a professional and you already got like millions of dollars in you, you already got like championship accolades and stuff, the yeah. last thing you should be doing is thinking about getting into the Olympics. I'm sorry to say it like that. Oh, I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, uh, you know, like I said, you know, hopefully, you know, their managers or whoever, you know, is, you know, I, I, I will, will, like, you know, let them know, hey, you know, this may not be best for you, for your homie. You know, take a little break, I guess. Um, speaking of boxing... Did you happen to see the Canelo Alvarez Sergey Kovalev uh, light heavyweight matchup that just happened? I unfortunately did not. <laughs> Sorry, I unfortunately did not see it because I was asleep when it happened, but I did hear about it. And I did hear that Canelo knocked out Kovalev in the 11th round. And I did also hear that, you know, the boxing pundits were basically asking, you know, is Canelo going to drop that down to 168 pounds for a title bout? Or, you know, will he probably boost up to 200, which I don't see that happening. Um, I think he, I think he's already said he's going to vacate the title. I see, I see, because that wouldn't make sense for him to, you know, it wouldn't make sense for him to keep fluctuating in weight because fighting all the way up to light heavyweight is a way different animal in boxing from fighting at like, lightweight or welterweight. Oh, I know, I know, but, you know, it's so weird, like, I always find it weird whenever these, like, whenever these fighters, like, have one fight in a weight class, and then, like, will never, like, just to get a title. I think it's just, like, so weird, like, the point of a title is to defend it, right? I'm not wrong in thinking, in thinking that, am I? If you don't, I mean, like, you know, what's the point of winning, wanting to win a title? Like, is it even winning a title, technically, if, like, if, like, you just, like, just win it and you're like, oh, I'm vacating it. It's kind of like, you kind of, like, I don't know, I just think it's, like, that's, like, it's a very, it's a hard, it's, like, not even really, like, winning the title. You know, like, troop, like, like, a full, like, that's not what a champion does. And, yeah, I know that's not his weight class. I know that, like, you know, he came close to, you know, he almost lost that Kovalev fight, you know, had it gone to a decision. Um, and, well, in my record books, you know, obviously, a lot of people, you know, Canelo has that special talent of even when he's losing on the, uh, when he's losing on the cards, he still can win, somehow. But, uh, you know, um, I still think that, you know, it would have been, you know, I don't know who else he could, he would have been, he could fight at a, uh, light heavyweight, you know, that would be like, I guess... He could get, that would be like a step up in competition. I'm, there's definitely a, a lot of people that would be a step up in competition, but like, I mean, wouldn't you rather just defend the title? Like, like at least defend it once and say like, oh yeah, you know, um, 
you know, don't pull like, you know, a Bernard Hopkins or something who was like going like who basically made a, a job, you know, going up a weight class and, you know well didn't he do the same thing, Bernard Hopkins? Uh, actually, actually, Bernard Hopkins has been retired for the last three years. But then he got knocked out of the ring by a, I think, Long Island construction worker. Didn't he? Wasn't his whole thing like going, like doing different weight classes, and then you know, vacating the titles for like said weight classes? Was that was that him uh, that was doing? Yeah. Just a, yeah, that was. I don't know. I just find that. Very strange. I find it strange in boxing, and I find it strange in MMA as well. Um, that's just me, though. Um, but uh, I think the big story, obviously, other than Canelo knocking out somebody, which uh, is like a unicorn, it feels like. Um, that's how rare it is, in my personal opinion. Is uh, is uh, the fact that the main event, Canelo and Kovalev, was delayed because of the UFC 244 main event between Nate Diaz and um, Jorge Masvidal. Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. For the bad motherfucker title at Madison Square Garden. Um, so, I'm curious to know, what do you think about that? You know, that, they, that Canelo... And Kovalev basically took a back seat to a UFC show where the main title... Well, it wasn't even for a weight class title. It was for... I don't know what... what like... What, is it, what, what, what would you classify this title even as? To basically show who the baddest motherfucker is in the sport of... In, in the UFC's mindset of mixed martial arts... <laughs> but like, what like what like what the like what kind of, like what other like title in MMA or I don't even think boxing had one or maybe boxing has had one where like it, it's not a weight class title. But I guess it was kind of like no, but like I would even say that the Mayweather Floyd um not May, Mayweather um Connor title was like a significant a, a, a title for who won that fight. But the BMS title, like, shouldn't it be the, the like, shouldn't the the weight class title be the be, the the just the de facto bad motherfucker title? Yes, it should. But since neither one of them are really in championship, con- well, neither one of them were in championship contention. There's no doubt about it that Masvidal couldn't be heading that way soon. I mean, what the hell was the point to just basically say, oh, this main, this main event has to have five rounds, and this main event has to go for a title. But what can we do? Let's make one up. Um, I guess, you know, it's just a symptom of the UFC, you know, pay, you know Endeavor, I should say, pay, having to pay those debts off. Um, those many debts that they owed when they bought the uh, company. Um, but, you know, you can't, I can't deny that, you know, uh, that this was an incredibly hyped card, you know, uh, one of the most hyped uh, UFC cards in a while. Even, uh, the esteemed president of the United States, Donald Trump, was there. And 
said he got booed out the fucking building as he deserved. Well, it's funny because I heard so many different people saying, oh, they, they heard him being booed. I was hearing people say that he was being cheered. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'll be honest. I listened to videos. I can't tell because, listen, that's, that's, that's arena ambient noise. It's really hard to tell. So, yeah, he was probably booed and he was probably cheered. I can tell you for a fact there's a lot of people. Well, I'm willing to bet that a lot of sports fans are Donald Trump fans, probably. Especially in New York as well. Unfortunately so. Um, but you should know, I mean, isn't New York incredibly liberal as well? Yes, but I mean, like, like when I went to, I went to a, uh, a, <laughs> I went to a midget wrestling show in Long Island, and when, uh, there was a heel midget that was doing a pro-Donald Trump gimmick, and when he, uh, went, cut a promo about how much, you know, uh, Donald Trump is like the greatest president of all time and all that stuff. He got cheered. <laughs> so. What part of Long Island is this on? Uh, it was at a at a bar called Mulcahy's, which is like a big sports bar. I actually saw actually speaking of Nate Diaz, that's where I saw Diaz Connor too. Um, uh, that they were having on the like they're like you know televisions and all that stuff. So that's where I saw that sh that fight. Um, but uh, it's actually interesting, the, the parallels between the Kovalev-Canelo fight and the Diaz-Masvidal fight, because I'll be honest, you know what you're getting into when you get a Canelo fight. You're going to get a guy who's, you know, I'll be honest, I think that Canelo is incredibly, like, overrated. I don't think he's. Ex I think he's a bore to watch. I don't like when I watch him. It's like watching a guy who really knows how to do boxing, but like I don't know how to describe it. It's like he's obviously he's a great boxer, but like he's not a, an exciting boxer to the point where like I want to watch him. It's not like Floyd. He doesn't. He. I don't think he has really any personality. I don't think he's. He has the. The, the charisma that that Mayweather had, where you wanted to watch him get his ass kicked. I think that Canelo, I grant, I know that he's big for the Mexican audience, but like, I just find him like, I just really like watching him is like despise him. <sighs> yeah, it's like it's like sometimes watching paint dry almost. It's not exciting at all, and uh, like you know. It was like the complete opposite of the Nate Diaz uh, Malfadol fight because that was an exciting fight that had a, a a shitty finish. It ended in round three by doctor stoppage due to a, a a questionable cut on the eye, I guess you could say, um, of Nate Diaz. Um, and then this fight, the the Kovalev Canelo fight, was was a lackluster fight that had an exciting finish at the end. So it's just funny how like the two the two fights were diametrically opposite, um, but really like again the so yeah I want to go back to that whole thing about them um, uh, delaying the main event of Canelo Kovalev. So we always go on about rising uh, intermissions and all that stuff. How they gotta like fix their shit and all that stuff. 
Well, we well we got our first, you know, I guess um, American uh, combat show that did a Ryzen like intermission. And oh boy, you know. So here's what happened. So basically, um, um, did you know that they were actually um, that they um, uh, that that they were showing the Diaz Masvidal fight in the arena for for Kovalev Canelo? Yes, I actually seen a picture from Brian Campbell of CBS Sports, you know, showing that. But here's the thing. When it comes to other countries, specifically those that have the zone or DAZN, you know, they also have contracts with the UFC they have to abide by. <laughs> so let's just say countries outside the US and Canada, possibly Brazil, you know, when they, I mean, they also got the UFC. And they're also showing that fight. It would be best to please their viewers, you know, to show like a two-for-one. Well, However, when yeah. it comes to the folks in the building and watching the events, you know, live, I just found that crazy because, you know, who the hell wants to sit around for... 25 for a 25 minute fight, so chances are the fight's gonna last at least an hour. Well, because here's the thing as well, they showed the the entrance the entrances. Because oh, okay, so let me so everybody knows. So I went with three friends to a movie theater to watch uh, Canelo Kovalev, uh, and basically the reason why I think what happened was that the Ryan Garcia Romero Duno fight. Uh, ended in 21 seconds in the first round. It ended so fast. I, I think that, like, if that fight had gone all 12 rounds, uh, it maybe would they wouldn't have shown the fight, uh, the UFC fight, you know, presuming that, you know, it would have been... They may have showed it while in progress, but they wouldn't have... Because by the time that the Ryan Garcia-Duno fight ended, Gastelum and Till, Tell Gastelum down and Till, I think was either was going on, was in the middle of the fight, or was ending. And what happened was, so, we hear, I suddenly hear the Rock's music in the background. They're not showing, obviously, the the, the, the UFC fight on, uh, on, the, uh, on the feed. They, I hear the Rock's music in the background, and then I realize, oh, shit. They're actually showing the, uh, the, the fight. And I just to confirm it, I was, you know, people on, uh, on all over social media, were pointing that out, um, and you know, my friend uh, who I went with, my friend who's been a boxing fan for over thirty years, you know, he, you know, he was he was watching a uh, Holyfield, Tyson, the the Arturo Gotti, uh, who uh, who is the guy who had the famous uh, the Gotti Ward, Gotti Mickey Ward uh, trilogy, uh, Mickey Ward, Mickey, yeah, uh, he, uh, he watched those live. He was he's been watching Lennox Lewis, Mayweather, Pacquiao. Uh, Basically, just about any and every fight that was on HBO before they closed down. Last exactly when HBO closed down, he was so pissed off. Um, and when I when I told them that they're going that they're going that they're waiting for this show, this fight the main event to UFC uh, 
finish, he was furious. And he basically said that this makes the zone and boxing look like bitches. And you know what? He could not have been more uh, right uh, in, what, in that statement. Uh, imagine if this is the 90s. Um, WWF used to do pay-per-views on Saturdays in the afternoon. Um, way back before this. That was before they, you know, went to Sunday nights. Exactly. So imagine, you know, and he brought up a point that, what would, you know, let's just say, you know, that Mike Tyson, um, had a, had a heavyweight fight. Uh, would imagine if, imagine if Mike Tyson had a title fight and they said they were going to delay it, uh, the, the main of his match. Till the WWF main event match between whoever was finished. Basically, it, like Shawn Michaels and Lex Luger or something. Something like that. People would think that's insane. And also, not to mention, it would never have happened. No, Mike Tyson. Uh, and also Floyd Mayweather. Of course it would. And, same thing, it and same thing with Floyd Mayweather. Floyd, if Floyd was fighting on that card, if it was Floyd versus Kovalev or Floyd versus Canelo, and it was the same, you know, for, well, first of all, I, I think that Floyd would have been smart enough not to book on the same day as a UFC card. But had it been, you know, Floyd would be, Floyd would be out there already while the show was, they would, this would never have happened under a Floyd fight. It made, yeah, it's, it sincerely made of that, the zone and... Gave a really bad name to boxing. Was the bigger card obviously the UFC show that day? Yes. And I'm not so sure that, you know, boxing, that the zone could have predicted how big that sh- that main event was going to be. Because, listen, if you, t- if you tell someone, um, like, I don't know, early January, oh, did you know that the biggest main event or one of the biggest main events in MMA and UFC this year is going to be Jorge Masvidal versus Nick Diaz? People are going to look at you like you have five heads. Nobody would have been able to predict this at all. Because, um, you know, nobody knew the status of what Diaz was doing. And Jorge Masvidal, before the Ben Askren knock, knockout, even before the Darren Till knockout, he was basically a mid-carder who was relegated to the fight night shows. He ba- I basically compared him to, he was basically their Benson Henderson at this point. You know, they always put him on the, on the TV shows. Uh, not Even the pay-per-view. It's ironic because he lost to Benson Henderson as Benson was on his way out of the UFC. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm curious to know what do you, so you know we go on about rise in intermissions and how you know that felt like a rise in intermission what they were doing it felt like because they were padding they were padding up until this this um, show uh, this this fight was over. They were they were talking to basketball players who I couldn't even remember. I can't even tell you who they who they were. Um, they Wait were talking. You mean the zone show? Right? Yes. Yeah. They were talking because to. I remember last night they were interviewing. I mean, yeah, they were interviewing a lot of people. They were interviewing a lot of people that the folks outside of. You know, boxing or outside of Twitter don't even fucking know. But of course, last night they were interviewing. They were interviewing 
William Olajide, aka KSI, yes, who facing off against Logan Paul, exactly. Well, as of this recording, it'll be six days from now when KSI will face off against Logan Paul. They they interview him for like about twenty minutes. They were just yeah, like, but in actuality, it was five, and the <laughs> interview was completely fucking cringeworthy. Like, like, real. They were panning this out so bad. The only, the, I'm not even counting as boxer, but the real only boxer that they talked to, uh, other than Sergio Moraes uh, on commentary, was the, the only. Mora? Yeah, uh, was uh, uh, on the only active boxer I'll say that they talked to was Devin Haney, who is on, who is, I think he's on the co-main for that KSI show. Yeah, and they talked to Andy Ruiz as well, the lineal heavyweight champion. Uh, was that during? I don't, I don't know. Was that? Any, I don't even remember if that was during. I think that was before uh, the uh, the uh, the main event. Like, I mean, like before. Oh, like, oh. Uh, I think that was, you know what? Kind of think of it. I think that was before the co-main event, if I remember correctly. But yeah, like. But do you know that they talked to him though as well as Devin Haney? Oh yeah, yeah. I was there for the Andy Ruiz match, uh, the interview. But also, you know, because my friend kept on complaining, why aren't they interviewing Evandy Holyfield? Why aren't they interviewing the other fucking boxers to help pad this shit out? Instead of talking to well, K- they did interview Evander Holyfield, but it was after his son Evan Young Holy Holyfield knocked out some jobber from Louisiana in seventeen seconds. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. This was a total clusterfuck of a, uh, of like a, um, of a show. Um, uh, that's you know, it's. Uh, it was really like it, it was bush league, as 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 the saying goes. Like the fact that they bitched out to UFC, and this is not that's not like an anti UFC thing, but basically. They look bad for doing such a thing. They basically said, "Hey, you know what? Our fight is not important. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna what?" And here's the thing. So it, you probably I don't know if you've seen the videos, but like Kovalev and Canelo are literally like sleeping on couches waiting for their fight to go on. Yeah, actually, I've seen photos of that, not videos, but photos of that. It was so ridiculous, and you know, and then you know, like I said, it's not—it's not an anti-UFC thing. It's not an anti—it's not a pro-boxing thing. It's just the problem is that you know, how do you say that you have the top guy, like the top boxer in the world, one of the one of the best boxers in the world, when he is just when he's bitching out to a, a bad motherfucker title title match, you make him look like he's a. He's not even worth, you know, the, the zone subscription that uh, the nineteen ninety nine a month that you're paying. Exactly. It's it's you know it's you know it's it's not even, like, and that's the thing is that boxing yeah boxing certainly like went down like oh they the, I they lost a lot of uh I think that they 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 they're gonna look really bad for this in the future and they're like um. Uh, with a, it's not, you, you, 
I don't know, like, if boxing... I know, like, a, a lot of fans... I don't know. A lot of people like to say that boxing's dead and, you know, a bunch of things. You know, I'm not so sure if I would say that that's 100% true. But, you know, it certainly is not helping the perception of boxing when you're saying, we're going to go on after the UFC bad motherfucker title main event. And also, not to mention... If what a waste of t- fucking time it was, you know, for them just trying to like pad out shit, uh, ridiculously. Like a, it was, a, you know, like a rising show, you know. I'll even, you know, I'll say at least that like they tried to like put on shit, like you know, like interviews with uh with uh Canelo, uh, but like it was, man, like it was bullshit. That we had to wait there for a long ass time to get this to get this fucking title fight, um, yeah. Um, I don't really find that crazy because you know when it comes to that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, I understand. Many people would probably think of it as intimidation tactics. Many people would probably think. Oh, you know, this is just the zone saving their own ass because they know how bad the fight is. But as the boxers themselves have to wait for an occurrence like that, you know, to end before getting into that ring, yeah, it gives them the chance to calm down. Yeah, it gives them the chance to, you know, gather all their thoughts before going into that ring. But you have to think it's a complete waste of time, you know, to sit there and just do nothing before, you know, getting ready for the fight of your life. Especially if the arena is basically showing, you know, not even competition from the same sport, but competition from a different sport. Yeah, a competing sport under a competing um, what do you call it? A competing um, uh, app, whatever you want to call it, app, streaming service, whatever, whatever you want to fucking call it. Um, cause uh, yeah, the uh, that was on a uh, ESPN t- uh, the ESPN Plus app uh, UFC was uh on because they don't do pay per views anymore. Uh, traditional pay per views, I'll say. Right, of course. I mean, they don't do traditional events here, but they still do traditional events elsewhere around the world. Yes. Oh, and man, you know, the other thing as well is imagine being in Mexico, watching on Azteca TV or whatever uh, they show um, Canelo's fights on, and then, like, just waiting for this shit to, like, get on with it. Ugh. You know... I have yeah, to definitely believe as that... As, as much as the people of Mexico basically adore Canelo, they were, pro- they were probably about ready to turn their little watch parties into mini-riots. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I believe if Kovalev had won that fight, I'm pretty sure that there would have been riots. We saw exactly. how... We saw what happened with uh, uh, Yair Rodriguez and uh, Jeremy Stevens. Remember what that... Well, that happened. Huh. Mm-hmm. And they ran it back, and I think 
Stevens won that fight? No, no, Rodriguez won. It was a very close decision, if I remember correctly. Very close oh, decision. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, they were. You know, it and it was so funny because even in the replays, they were like showing like even rounds that he lost. They were saying like, oh, you know, they were they they if it was a round that Canelo lost, they would either be showing nothing in the replays, or they would be uh, showing something that Canelo did that supposedly won him the round. So, yeah, that the. Uh, Chris Mannix and uh, Sergio, Mor- Sergio Mora-, Mora, and I'm forgetting the other guy who was uh, on uh, commentary. Brian with- Kenny, he used to be with ESPN, now he's with, <laughs> with the zone, I'm sorry, I'm confident. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, they were all, all on commentary, and all, and basically, oh, and uh, one of the things like Chris Mannix as well, he gave a swing round to Canelo, which basically made him seem like that he was winning. I never seen that before done in boxing. Well, oh, like like what was somebody? If you think about it, Chris Mannix is nothing more than a Rick Riley wannabe who couldn't get off at Sports Illustrated because he was trying too damn hard to be their version of Dan Raphael of ESPN. So he basically wanted to go in to the zone to be like the next Larry Merchant. Yeah. Only without getting drunk on the mic. Trying to be controversial, you know, trying to, you know, stir the pot, as they say. Exactly. Uh, but still, when it comes to that particular fight, yeah, it's great for Canelo to get that fourth world title and a second different weight class, but you have to think, is he really going to defend that light heavyweight belt or is he going to drop back down to 168 and, you know, go back to thinking about a potential third fight with Lamont, and even though he says he doesn't want it. Well, I think everybody, like, wants to see the glove can fight. Obviously, the... What's, what's, I think, you know, it's, it's weird because I want to see it because I, like, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, thought that Golovkin won that second one and I think, uh, second fight or at least that's what I thought, I thought that he won. Uh, but I, he says that, I mean, I guess like, does he, what's the advantage for him to take that third fight? Is there, is there? Is there an advantage? The advantage for him is just for money's sake. Hmm. But can you please, you know, Gabby, I mean, what am I trying to say? When it comes to that fight, when it comes to the potential of a third fight between Golovkin and Canelo, do you think that a fight between those two will happen? And you can 
talk amongst yourself for the time being because I think I'm a little bit down because of my voice being down. So I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, let you take the reins on that and I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem, no problems. Um, I think that, you know, I would not be surprised if, like, if Canelo decides, hey, you know, this, use it as one of the last fights on his contract for, uh, uh, the zone. I don't know, I forgot how many fights he has, um, is it three or four? Might be something like that. Um, but, like, it's like, it's a, it's... He's gonna want to do the fight when he wants when he feels like doing the fight, and not when you know. I it's definitely a, it's the the fight for him only makes sense when like I think he has nothing else left to do. I think in the I think that'll pop if he if he ever does fight uh, Canelo again it'll be no if he ever fights Glover I should say it'll be the last it'll be the last fight on his card and on his uh, contract. Even though, like, I think a third fight can probably very much get a good amount of subscriptions to the zone, interest in the fight, all that shit. Um, but also, you know, the thing is that with, with Golovkin as well, he hasn't really fought any any big names lately himself. He's uh, been taking it easy, kind of. Um, i trying to remember who the, fu- who the fuck was his last opponent. Um, but, um... Yeah, for uh, for uh, I I think that Glovkin himself also has to you know put out you know obviously I bet he wants to fight, but he's also got to prove that he wants that fight as well. He's got to have some you know deliver some you know get a big win over someone really 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 good. I don't know who at this point would be um who would be an ample opponent uh to beat and then call out uh, Canelo. Um, I'm trying to think. I really can't think of a, uh, of somebody at this point. Um, but I guess, you know, I guess, you know, we'll have to see, you know, whenever, uh, whenever, uh, Glovkin fights, ne- uh, uh, Glovkin fights next. Obviously, the fight that I'm paying attention to next is Wilder and Ortiz 2, King Kong Ortiz. Uh, for the heavyweight, I forgot which, which titles it was, um, but, uh, yes, uh, first fight, uh, Wilder knocked out, uh, King Kong Ortiz, even though King Kong Ortiz was actually, was winning that fight up until, um, he got knocked out, I would say. Um, I definitely, uh, that's a, you know, is that the best heavyweight fight to make? No, clearly the... The, the fight that everybody wants to see is Wilder, Wilder Fury 2, which we'll get probably after this one. I'm hoping. Okay, I'm back. And when it comes to the potential for Wilder Fury 2, I mean, if that doesn't happen, and if, you know, Andy Ruiz does defeat Anthony Joshua and prove that Lightning can strike twice, do you think that a potential premier boxing champions pay per view between Wilder and Ruiz might happen? Yeah, I think I, I think potentially. Um, I don't know how much people would be interested in that fight personally. Um, 
it's an interesting stylistic matchup, but it's just like that is definitely like I don't think that's as exciting as you know as Joshua and Wilder would have been um, had things uh, worked out better. I'll say for for um, well, because here's the thing as well: if Ruiz loses, if, if Joshua, uh, you know, obviously third match is happening. Um, that's 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 a given, I think. Um, as for you know, we'll have to see after uh, Ruiz uh, Ruiz Joshua too, what happens. Uh, then you know we'll be able to make a bet. If, if King Kong Ortiz wins, oh boy, that'll be. That will send the uh, heavyweight division like in a tizzy. That will probably be the worst. I thought to be the best or worst thing to happen in terms of boxing heavyweight, the heavyweight division, because that will just like totally fuck up all the presumed plans that you know that all these uh, promotions and managers and people want to do. Um, but Andrew, if you think about it. Considering the fact that we're still feeling the effects of, you know, the logjam and heavyweight that was the Klitschko brothers, Vitaly and Vladimir, you know, if Luis Ortiz does defeat Deontay Wilder, it it could probably create the most interesting heighted scene since the since the 90s, really. When you had Tyson, Holyfield, Foreman, Riddick Ball, and just for clarity's sake, I think you had shit. Frank Bruno? Yeah. Maybe Oliver McCall? Maybe Lennox Lewis? Oh, yeah. Like all these top guys at heavyweight back then. And it didn't really matter what network they were on. They were still, you know, ready to... They were still ready to fight whenever, however, especially Foreman, who was in his late 40s, early early 50s at the time. Yeah, he was still proving how much of an old... How much an old man can kick ass after winning... After becoming the oldest fighter to win the heavyweight title at 44 in 94. Well, he's... Here's the other issue as well, um, and my friend uh, and uh, my boxing friend and I were talking about this. Right now, the most famous or most well-known uh, heavyweight fighter by proxy is Tyson Fury, probably. The other fighters, Wilder, Joshua, even Ruiz, don't have the name notoriety. That other that these other weight other heavyweight fighters you just brought up had or had I should say, it is the heavyweight division is probably the weakest it's been in terms of name value in a while. Because here's the thing: in the '90s, you knew who Mike Tyson was, you knew who Evander Holyfield was. You didn't. You could be a golf fan and still know who they were. You can. You knew who Lennox Lewis was. Um, you knew that Buster Douglas knocked out Tyson in Tokyo. Um, on that, uh, on that, uh, famous, uh, fight. On that they... famous February 9th in 1990. Yes. I remember. Yes. Um, everybody, you know, they, the box, the heavyweight division of boxing was so well known, even to 
people that were casuals or outsiders. Problem is now, the with Ortiz were to win, will that even will that even benefit like drawing wise and money wise the the um, the boxing the, the heavyweight boxing um, scene in terms of like just getting in people like you know a lot of people tuned in for Tyson for Fury and Wilder um, casual people who were. Not boxing fans turned in for Mayweather, McGregor, Mayweather, Pacquiao, um, Canelo, Triple G. I would even say, um, what would you? I mean, like, what? What would? I would. What would? Could? Could the heavyweight division ever reach the peak of popularity that it initially had in the in the eighties and nineties? Or do you think that's a, a bygone era of boxing? You have to look at it two ways. Yes, the 90s was a bygone era of boxing. Yes, the 90s was pretty much a star power era. And that time has long since been passed. And yes, nobody can duplicate, you know, the 90s, not just as far as boxing, but as far as sports, you had casual people who didn't even watch sports yet, they knew who the hell Michael Jordan was, or they knew about Wayne Gretzky, or Joe Mon no, not even Joe Montana, but John Elway. You knew people understood these people, and they didn't even watch sports. But now, only a select few, and I'm not talking about like for casual sake, but for pop culture sake, only a select few <laughs> can actually grasp behind the four major sports or actually can only grasp behind boxing as they do with the other four major sports basketball and football being the main two of those four but I think that if Wilder loses to Ortiz it would cause a hell of a lot of waves in Latin America because Ortiz will be the first Cuban to hold a to hold a world title higher than light heavyweight, and if Ruiz does defeat Anthony Joshua, I mean, just imagine how much Latin America would get behind a pay per view headlined by Luis King Kong Ortiz versus Andy Ruiz Jr. That would probably <laughs> That would probably be the main topic across Latin America. It wouldn't be, you know, a main topic in mainstream America, in North America especially, but Latin America would definitely love that. Hmm. So you think that boxing can only go get as popular as far as like Latin Latin American audiences? It could just never reach um that just like that peak that it did with American audiences or Western audiences, I should say? Well, I'm not saying that, you know, it should reach, I mean, it will, it would reach the peak. Here's the, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, right. I'm going to pull you, uh, you, Christian, I'm sorry to interrupt, that's kind of your thing. Here's the thing, I think that KSI-Logan Paul 2 matchup is going to get more buys and views or whatever than Canelo's Kovalev did overall. It will make more money overall, I think. 
Yeah, but also that fight's gonna get a hell of a lot more illegal Twitch streams rather than, you know, people traditionally buying the event and just watching it. I don't know. I think that fight... I think if we're gonna... I don't know, like, if they'll ever release the amount of buys or, or like, how much the show made. I think that show will make a lot of money. And because those fans... Those those fans of those of those two people, you know, will buy anything that has their name attached to it. Yeah, but if you think about it, those those fans, they're probably I'm not gonna say they're like us, even though we're we count as millennials too. I mean, I'm gonna turn 27 in a couple of days. No, these aren't millennials. You these know? are people that are younger than one. These are like 12, 13, 14 year olds. I don't know what. I don't think those are millennials. It's the computer. It's the computer age. It's the YouTube era. Yeah. Basically, they're the ones that. I mean, it's like twenty years ago when girl, when little girls, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old, used to ask their parents, their mothers and fathers specifically, "Oh, I, I want to pay twelve. I mean, can we please get this pay per view for thirteen ninety nine? I want to see The Rock." Mm -hmm. I want to see Dwayne Johnson, and they just booed and awed over how majestic Dwayne The Rock Johnson looked. They don't they didn't even give a damn about professional wrestling. They just wanted to see him. Well, now, you know, this generation of YouTubers, I mean, this generation of not just YouTubers, but YouTube watchers and social media watchers, they want to see this fight, you know, this KSI Logan Paul fight, just to see if these two can, you know, double up what they had in the first fight. Well, also, here's the thing as well. Um, well actually, you know, it's going to be on the zone. I totally forgot to mention that if I didn't already say that. I'd be interested to know how many new subscribers will get the zone just to get, just to watch this match. That I'm the most interested in knowing about. If we'll ever get, I don't think we'll ever get those numbers because I don't. Has the zone ever actually released the amount of uh, subscribers that they have had, or or they haven't? I don't think they do, but I do know that when it comes to folks 21 and up, kind of similar to us, I don't think that they would want to get, you know, I don't think that they would want to get. The zone just for the KSI Logan Paul fight. Need to mention both of those two are younger than me. Mm -hmm. I mean, KSI is 26, Logan Paul is 27. And if I gained like about 60 more pounds, I could beat the dog shit out of Pokemon despite my five feet height. Yeah, you know what? I think even, even. The, the the worst amateur fighter could probably beat up uh, those two, probably. Or, you know, the most... Or, you know, if you see these box rack cards, these BOX, REC, you know, event cards where they have the guy who's basically... I mean, you know his record is basically shit. When, you know, he has more losses than wins and more knockout losses, especially than wins. I think that those would be the type of fighters that would set up for KSI and Logan Paul. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You know, you're absolutely right about that. But, you know, I think, you know, 
I, it's going to take a lot more than, than Ortiz winning, beating Wilder than... Uh, it's gonna, I don't know what it's going to take, but it's, but there'll have to be something that'll make the... Uh, put the uh, heavyweight uh, scene, boxing scene, back on the map for uh, the average person in America to tune in, I think. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to assume... Definitely both things, really. Uh, do you, did you watch the UFC 244 card, or, or did you... Uh, I did not. I only looked at bits and pieces of it. Um, I mean, I haven't even seen the results of the card yet, even though we're 24 hours after that. I see, I see. Um, I mean, I only saw the main event. I saw the finishes to um, uh, the uh, a lot of the cards, uh, to a lot of the matches. And uh, I got to say... If you get a chance, you gotta see the Kevin Lee Gregor Gillespie um, match uh, finish. One of the most brutal knockouts I've ever seen. Yeah, how brutal was it? Uh, when you get a chance, watch it. I'll see if I can try to find it for you if the, if the stream hasn't if the stream hasn't uh, been taken away from R slash MMA. But it, it it is knockout of the year material. Um, for MMA, my personal opinion. Right, right. I get what you mean. Um, I guess all, the other thing that came from that show was that the Johnny Walker hype train was derailed by, of all people, Corey Anderson. <laughs> oh, you mean the guy formerly known as Beast in 25 Yeah, yeah, Corey Anderson... Knocked out, TKO'd uh, Johnny Walker of all. I I never thought I'd ever say that. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Corey Anderson's been with the promotion for a little while, right? I feel like he's one of those guys who's been there. You know, like you know how like you feel like there's been fighters who've been there like forever, like Joe Lozon, um, when he was with them, Michael Bisbing. Uh, when, he, when he was an active fighter, I should say, uh, Michael Bisping. I feel like he, I just won those um, fighters that's like, has been there forever and ever. And, I, and it feels like he's kind of like, almost like a lifer. Um, Diego Sanchez, I guess another one. Yeah, it just feels like those fighters just, you know those fighters just like, wow, they, they've been on cards since like 2005, 2006. I feel like that's Corey Anderson, even though I don't know if he was in the UFC that long. But I feel like he's been there for I know he was on the ult- I think he was on one of the Ultimate Fighter shows, uh, as a, as a fighter, um, yeah, just yeah, it feels like one of those people who's been there forever, who just like floats ar- floated around, you know, the uh, light the heavyweight division scene. Right, right. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, the, the uh. Johnny Walker getting a John Jones title shot? Probably not gonna happen now. Probably gonna go. Probably gonna happen. Probably Dominic Reyes will probably I get. I just think it's stupid that they even compare, you know, him to, you know, John Bones Jones. Oh, and by the way, Corey Anderson, now Corey Overtime Anderson, has been with the UFC since July of 2014 when he TKO Matt Gutter Van Buren. 
Wow, I feel like the Ultimate Fighter 19 light heavyweight tournament winner. Yeah, yeah, it's like I got. I thought he was there longer. And that, by the way, was his fourth professional fight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like he's been there for a long. I feel like he's been there longer. I feel like Rory Anderson, just like one of those guys who, like I said, just been there for a long time. Um, let's see. Um, other than that, you know, the main event was. Really like the one fight that everybody was talking about and that people had uh, were tuning to see. Um, but you also, t- we're, there was a Bellator show recently that featured a actress of the adult film industry competing. Christian, do you know about this? Yes, I have heard about this. And I've been wanting to talk to you about this for the longest, the longest amount of time. Now I'll finally get the chance to talk to you about it. Her name is Rebecca Brinkman. B-R-Y-G-G-M-A-N. But on the, you know, adult I guess. I don't know if you even want to call it a circuit. It's more like a herpes trap. <laughs> well, here's what I can tell you. Um, uh, that the adult film industry is not... It, like the heavyweight division of boxing, its peak is, has been over for a long time. It's now all cam girls. That's what, that's what the industry is. No longer is it, you know, Jenna Jameson's and the uh, Tracy Lord's or um, the uh, whoever uh, War Machine's wife is, um, I forget what 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 her name Christy is. Christy Max. Christy Max. No longer it's no longer those. Th- that's all long and gone. It's now all cam girls, Twitch girls, cam whores, gamer girls. <laughs> that's all it is now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just. I am so fucking sorry. I'm I'm just laughing my ass off on this. <laughs> the way uh, you describing this. Well, here's the thing. I have a friend who's actually. I'm not gonna say he's in the industry, but who's a very um. Active in the industry, I'll say, and that is basically, what it is now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's no longer, it's, the field has changed. Significantly, um, due to like, uh, due to like, now that everybody has a camera, anybody could be a porn star now. Paris Hilton is technically a porn star. Uh, Kim Kardashian, I think, uh, had a video as well. China, R.I.P. was also a porn star. The less said about that, the better. Exactly. But. I mean, I even heard uh, one of the people I know from voice acting. I don't want to basically give her details out. I know that she's from Great Net Long Island. and You know, there are plenty of puns you can make about that name. But mm-hmm. she even said when she was, I mean, she even said that she voiced over a few hentai videos. I don't know if you know what hentai is. I don't want to you know, explain myself what it is. It's basically animated porn. Oh, I know what it is, but, unfortunately. Yeah, but still, she basically said 
and I'm not going to try and mock her voice because of the voice that I have right now, but she basically said on this little Twitch stream I watched like a month ago, well, you know, as long as you don't have, you know, as long as you don't use your real name, you use a stage name, you're all right. Because you want to end up doing like kid shows and have an acting career and not have your name ridiculed. Isn't the, I don't know if it's the same thing now anymore, really, because uh, I guess if like Disney would have problems with it, but like, or like if you want to do, I don't know, Reading Rainbow, I don't know. I don't know what kids shows are out there. Uh, but yeah, you're going to be you're gonna be feeling the rainbow all right, but you ain't going to be reading it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I don't know I don't know if the same stigma is what it used to be with uh, porn stars. Um, probably, like I said, you know, like with those industries, but I mean, you know, do you know how much those Twitch girls make? Those Twitch girls make a lot of money doing... Uh too much money to count, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, and they don't do anything besides, like... They don't... Twitch doesn't allow nudity. But basically, they are borderline... It's borderline porn, is what, is what I like to call it. Because it's not porn, and they're not doing anything that's that would be breaking the, like, Twitch rules. But they basically are... Uh, are basically whoring themselves out, but... They're doing it in a way that's within the rules of Twitch. Right, right. But still, about this particular competitor, Rebecca Brickman, B-R-Y-G-G-M-A-N, she goes by the name of Orion Star. Orion as in the cosmos and Star with two R's. Which name did she come out to? I'm curious to know. Her actual name, oh, Rebecca okay. Brinkman. Mm. But considering the fact that Bellator, I mean, this wasn't their first walk in the park for hiring competitors like this person. I mean, do you think that Bellator should, you know, basically get some more profession? I mean, Basically, get some. I'm not trying to say wholesome fighters because when you fight, it's not really wholesome, so to speak. But do you think that they should do a lot more background checking when it comes down to, you know, where these fighters are from and how they get picked up on the amateur scene, stuff like that? Well, I mean, it's an interesting question. I think that's like an interesting debate um, because we've had fighters who uh, have gotten. Um, Fired from UFC for just having, you know, an accusation of um, assault and bat, uh, spousal abuse. Um, what was it? The um, the tall guy, uh, the tall featherweight guy, um, whatever his name was. I forgot what it was. Will Chop, yeah. Um, he got, I don't even know, like, what was it? Was it even an accusation or, like, what? It was an accusation because Chop or Chopin was in the U.S. Air Force, and it got out that he, you know, abused his spouse at the time while he was stationed in the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, here, I mean, like, do, what, I don't know, like, should, uh, 
Should her being a porn star preclude her from being an MMA fighter? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think there's anything wrong. I know. I don't think that one affects the other. I mean, I don't like. I have a problem. Listen, if if you're a parent, you're taking your kids to see this fighting show, uh, this 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 combat sports, and you're and you're going to have a problem with a porn star from MMA fire. I'm going to question your parental judgments more so that you're bringing them to see basically um, unarmed combat. Um, and like, this is this is a sport where people. I'm not gonna say people die, but people get seriously hurt. People get knocked out, and it's scary sometimes how they get knocked out. I don't think that I think that's a. I think bringing your kids to see that shit is a little bit is a little bit more odd than you know being upset over a uh, porn star who's you know obviously you know she trains enough that a uh, Bellator. Saw fit to have her. Well, also here. Well, here's the thing. If you want to say that Bellator should have better standards for MMA fighters, I think that's a different discussion to have. Bellator is in a is in a, I guess maybe unique position where they don't have the same I guess standards to abide by by like UFC and even UFC doesn't really have the same standards because let's be honest, they had CM Punk and Mike Jackson both fight on a co-main uh, for a uh, pay-per-view show. And as much as I respect Mike Jackson, as much as I respect Mike the Truth Jackson because of his journalistic work, I think that when it comes to, you know, being an active UFC fighter, the last thing you should be doing is getting into it with the press because we've seen that he got into a little... I mean, I think it was earlier this year he got into a little dispute with a local sports radio personality whose father is a radio hall of famer here in the state of texas oh did he he, i mean yeah he basically was bashing him because you know when he thought i mean the person i mean he basically jackson was basically bashing this person whose name i will not give away for obvious reasons but he was bashing this person because he thought he said something racist. Uh, did, what 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 did uh so uh so did this radio announcer say something racist or did was this just Mike Jackson's interpretation? Yeah, I think it was mostly Jackson's interpretation of it. I mean, I don't want to try and get too off into the story, but I think he was just. I mean, I guess the common phrase of it now would be getting triggered for no I see, I see. Um, interesting. But still, going back to Bellator, I mean, going back to Bellator's practices of hiring more riskier fighters. Well, also, I do think that when it comes to you know, Bellator's practices, at least they're not hiring Aaron Brink, a.k.a. Duke Delaware. And Lord knows how he even got into the UFC, right? Meh. Um, but also, you know, the, you know, it's, it comparatively, remember uh, when they hired, when they uh, signed that, uh, the Hooters waitress? Um, 
Yeah, she was all over Barstool Sports. Yeah, so you saw the publicity that, that brought them. Um, it was actually positive publicity for that. Uh, Matt, the uh, uh, the uh, it was the um, oh my god, Bellator. Um, what fucking show was that? It was the one that had Gucci and uh, Caldwell on it. Um, fuck. What the fuck was the show? Do you remember what the show was called, Christian? I'm... Which Wait one? a minute. You mean Yamaguchi? You mean Yamaguchi and Caldwell? <laughs> no, I mean, wasn't another. Who... Talk... What show are you talking about? No, the Hooters waitress was on the uh, uh, Kyoji Horiguchi uh, Caldwell two fight uh, fight card for the uh, Bellator Bandway title. Uh, yeah, let me check. Oh, Larkin Dash. Larkin, Larkin Dash. Dash. Yeah, she was on the Bellator 222 card and got knocked out by Valerie But she did put up a good fight, I'll say that. She did right, a... Right, right. She was there to, like... She she wasn't there to, to, take, an e, to take a loss. She went... She went she went out as a warrior, as uh, some MMA, MMA commentators would say. What, what weight division is she in? She is a flyweight. What is the weight division and of? She didn't get knocked. She didn't get knocked out by Loretta. She lost via decision to Loretta. What was um, what was uh the uh the porn actress? What's her um, Rebecca Brigham? What's her weight class? Skinny as she is, as skinny as she is, she is an atom weight. Ah, fuck. If they were in the same weight class, God, that'd be a great... Just imagine, that's a best fight books itself. Hooters versus versus porn star. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Foxy Boxing would be all over it. (laughs) But let's be honest, no, like, but like, from from a promotional standpoint... You can't deny that, like, that would be getting people to talk about a fight that, you know, normally people wouldn't talk about. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But here's the thing. Brigman had a 2-0 amateur record in MMA before getting into this bout with Elise Reed, who who was a graduate of the Virginia Military Institute. But also of all, there... They are of, of different weight classes, so unfortunately, an atom weight and flyweight, uh, that is a, almost a, a 20 pound difference. So, unfortunately, that fight probably. Yeah, and, and you can't have them meet in the middle, which would be a straw weight, because I don't think that Dutch would be real. I don't think that Dutch would be willing to drop down as much as I don't think that Brankman would be willing to get. Filled up and not in the way you think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, no, 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 not at all. So, uh, yeah, I, fuck, I wish they were in the same weight class because that would be a great fight to, like, just make from a promotional, um... Promotional standpoint? But, so, yeah, so do you think that, I don't know, I didn't see this Re- this uh, Rebecca Rigman fight. Is she, uh, do you think she's the type that they would bring back or was this, like, a one-time thing, probably, just to get... <laughs> A little bit of a, you know, fight publicity. It was, I think it was probably a one-time only thing, but only because of the fact that, you know, they just wanted the free publicity. They just wanted 
you know, to put her over just so that she could, you know, just so that she could do anything other than do disgusting things with, you know, somebody's third leg. Yeah. Um, you think that, uh, that Bellator should have higher standards or not hire somebody like that in your personal opinion, Christian? Oh, of course. I mean, to be, of course, to be quite honest, when it comes to, you know, a promotion, when it comes to any type of combat sports promotion, you don't want to you know, try and find this fighter's stats or try and find this wrestler's highlights and all you see is like pictures them in the buff, so to speak. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, do you think... Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. But Steve, though, I think... When it comes to promotions, especially for Bellator's sake, they should really think about who they're getting to put on these fights, especially from a, you know, style standpoint. I mean, I get it that they put, I mean, I get it that they get these fighters where they view it and put them in dual debut fights, like the Brankman fight against Elise Reed was a dual debut fight. But I do think that they need to do a little bit more of a background check when it comes to putting these fighters on from the amateur scene. Uh, but you also have to understand that, you know, I think that also from from Bellator's standpoint is that, you know, they kind of have to, like, they have to go a little bit of an extra mile if they want to get some, like, publicity for their fights. You no, know, UFC doesn't really need to. People, UFC's going to get the coverage no matter what. But for Bellator, they kind of have to, I guess, push... Push it a little bit more. I they're they're kind of in a in, in a in a no publicity. Uh, all publicity is good publicity is um type of um I think situation because they're always going to be second fiddle to the UFC. They don't they they need to they need to get something that like captures the zeitgeist. I don't know if you ever heard that saying. I have a friend who loves to say that. If he he will not tune into something if he says if he can't say that it, it captures the zeitgeist. Um. But uh, yeah, so I think you know that's kind of like, you know, you know what they have to, you know, I mean, you know, they did that with um, Dada Five Thousand uh, Kimbo. They did that with Sham with the Shamrock uh, Gracie match. Um, they're trying to do it with these tournaments. They're trying to do it with this Bellator Japan show with uh, Rampage versus Fedor for the first time ever. So yeah, they they have to kind of like they kind of have to like they can't just do. <sighs> Regular MMA matches, because no one's gonna pay attention to them. That's you know whether you know that's an entirely different discussion to have. Um, so they kind of have to do like do things that you know maybe that you won't like or I won't like, and just stuff like a around like that level, just because of where the position is in the MMA world, comparative to um, other promotions like the UFC. Right. Right, and you know what? Speaking of that Bellator Rising card, that Bellator Japan card, it's funny that you talk about that because I don't know if you notice, but it's getting to be, you know, 
it's going to be one year since the announcement of Mayweather versus Nasukawa. And other than, you know, the fights that we know about for the Rise in 20 card, which are Kiyoji Horiguchi versus Kaya Sakura for the Rise in Bantamweight title, Siyoki Ham, a.k.a. Andre Silva versus Ayaka Hamasaki 3 for the Women's Super Animate World title, and then the lightweight Grand Prix bouts, Johnny Hollywood Case versus Tofik Musayev and Luis Killer Gustavo versus, you know, Luis Killer Gustavo versus Patricky Pitbull Fury with a potential winners and losers tournament final, basically fighting for placement. And then on the Bellator card, you got Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson, too. And Rampage Jackson versus Fedor Emelianenko. <coughs> but do you think that when it comes to potential star power for either one of these two cards, are we going to get it? Because I've seen, like, an announcement from your good friend and mine, Mike Skype. Saying that a bunch of names were going to be on the Ryzen 20 card, and that recently Juan the Spaniard Archuleta, a Bellator fighter, was basically bitching and moaning about the fact that he didn't get a chance to be announced for the Ryzen for the Bellator Japan card, potentially in a bout against Mikuru Asakura. So, what? I mean, are we going to get any star power? What are your thoughts about the fights that were rumored and that were just scrapped? Well, here's the thing. I disagree that, that Juan Archuleta was bitching and moaning. Uh, according to Juan Archuleta, when he was asked about being on the Ryzen, uh, being on, on this whole New Year's Eve Bellator thing, uh, or Ryzen thing, apparently uh, Miku Razakura, he was supposed to face off against Miku Razakura. But it seemed like... It seemed like, okay, I mean, it's two sides of every story. It seems like he claimed that, the, that like, they couldn't come to an agreement with money. But he also implied that it, that it seemed like they didn't, like, that Ryzen kind of, like, backed out of it because they thought that uh, Juan Archuleta was too tough an opponent. So he basically made, like, insinuate, many insinuations of why the fight didn't happen. Um, interestingly enough, that Juan Archuleta was, like, He's fought at three different weight classes: lightweight, featherweight, and has he officially fought a bantam? Was has he has he fought a bantamweight yet, or is he interested in fighting uh, bantamweight? Yeah, he fought at bantamweight before. He uh, basically challenged Kyoji Horiguchi, saying, "Hey, you're not gonna leave out of this country alive with those belts." And that was after Kyoji Horiguchi defeated Darian Caldwell for the second time. The Bellator Bantamweight title on that same show when Rebecca Bregman got knocked out. Um, well, actually, where Lauren Dodge lost. So um, the so the, you know we we know that Mikuru was going to be on that card, obviously, since you know that Juan Archuleta fight fell through. Um, you know the thing is that like the question is like how many fights are going to be on this card? Because like you said, we talked to Johnny Case. Um, and Johnny K said that apparently, even uh, that, that the semifinalists who lose will be facing each other, um, on that show. 
We got Kyoji Horiguchi, Kaizakura, two. Siohi Ham, Amazaki, um, four, I think it is. Um, three. Oh, sorry, three, three, three. Um, uh, what was the other match that was announced? Wasn't there one other match that was announced as well? Tricky Pitbull versus. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Killer, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the, the bandweight the bandweight the um lightweight tournament matches uh which is four four uh so we got two and two. We got two semifinals and the finals, and then so I don't know how many matches are gonna be in this card. Like I'm also gonna do twenty matches, like, and then if, if so, like you said, Mike Sky said that Mikuru was gonna be in the card, which I think is a given. Um, Kana Zakura was also gonna be on this card. Tension will obviously be, be on this card. Um, so I don't know how many matches they're planning to do because can't can't have twenty matches. I mean, you can maybe, but I don't recommend it. Uh, you'll really, like, exhaust your The heights that Ryzen has gone, as far as the number of matches on a card, is 14. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if that's, if that's their solution to padding out intermission, intermissions is to have more fights, or to have, like, I guess, less intermissions, I mean, I don't know what I have to say about that, um, if they're planning to do that, but, um... Um, it's, you know, I mean, the thing is that also, we, like, apparently, um, I think it was said that, um, and, like, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was, maybe it was Scott Coker. Um, uh, also, you know, also, you have Jiri as well, because, well, supposedly the Ryan Bader Jiri fight isn't happening, but I would have to guess that they want Jiri on that card as well. Uh, you want to showcase all of your title ma title fights, or uh, all, all of your champions, I should say. Um, yeah, so exactly, I mean, because if you think about it, Ryzen, as of the as of right now, only has three champions. They'll have a fourth on New Year's Eve, which means the winner of the Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix will will become the de facto first Ryzen Lightweight champion. Um, so, like, also, I think they said that they were going to have four matches that were a Bellator versus Ryzen matchup. Three. They said it was going to be three. Oh, three. Oh, okay, excuse me. Um, hmm. So, I don't know, like, again, yeah, that's an addition to, so I don't know, like, what, how many matches they're planning to have Ryzen on this show. Um... I would be surprised if it goes beyond 14. Like, I would be legit surprised. And, like, I want, we'll have to wait and see, like, what the card is. But, like, I mean, what, do you know what the, what the most amount of fights a, a Pride show had by any chance? Um, to be quite honest, I do not know. No, that's fine, that's fine. Um... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see like what they plan to do with these uh these with these fucking fights. Um, the Bellator show I think will probably be a lot more, I guess, easier to figure out. Or I, we kind of know what they're gonna do. Oh, here's the other interesting as well. So during the advertisements for future um the zone shows, um, they did not list the Bellator Japan show as being on the zone. They went as far as January with the Julia Budd versus Cyborg match beyond the zone. 
Um, but I, they didn't mention anything about the about this Bellator show being on the zone. So I'm like, uh, maybe they prob maybe they probably want it to be a Paramount Network exclusive show because, of course, just like how it was in 2015 when they had that Breakfast with Fedor shit. They basically want to try and do something similar to that. Uh, but it's funny because on the on the poster they clearly show the zone um, logo. Logo. So yeah, so maybe maybe they'll have it on the zone, but it won't be exclusive to the zone. But then how is it gonna be like? Are they gonna air it live at like where the fuck time it is that they plan? You know, whatever time difference it is uh, from Japan to to here. I really hope this is not one of those one of those like London, you know those shows that they always have like from like London or whatever that are like oh half the shows on Bellator. Yeah, they, I, I don't want them doing that. Uh, yeah, they have those shows in Europe, and when it, when it comes to them going to Israel, they always have the shows air the following day. Um, I just so yeah, I just hope that it's like I I hope that it's like. Oh, the first five matches will be, the 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 the, the fi five main card matches or whatever will be on Paramount Network Live. But then the other shows are gonna be on. Oh my! I really don't. Bellator needs to fucking just get one fucking thing to show their fucking shows, because it's just simpler. Keep it simple, stupid is what I believe in. Exactly because. I mean, especially with these cards in Italy that they do, especially with the most recent one that they've done in Italy. You know, you basically had to watch three different cards on three different platforms. Oh, by the way, as well. So you also uh, thank you for sending me uh, sending me the, the, the tweet that uh, Mike Sky put out. He all mentions that Yusuke Yachi and Reina will be fighting. So. Um, when we talked to Lindsay Van Sant after she beat Reyna at the Massive Garden show that Bellator uh, had uh, had earlier this year, she said that uh, she had been contacted by Ryzen about doing a rematch in Japan later this year. So I would not be surprised if, if we see Lindsay Van Sant versus, versus Reyna again. So again, we have another match there. So I have no idea who they put Yusuke Yashi against. So... This already potentially could be like sixteen or seventeen fights. Unless they're gonna like, unless they're gonna. I wonder if these. I wonder if these are if these are the matches minus attention match that are gonna be the uh, Bellator matches, Bellator versus Ryzen matches. If for attention, I don't see them doing a a, a Bellator kickboxing opponent because I don't even know anybody who's at his weight level who could be fighting attention. Pretty simple, dude. Outside of the folks. I mean, outside of fighters in South America, Thailand, China, there's not really that many people around the world, you know, that fight at the same level or even the same size as tension in kickboxing. Mm -hmm. Unless, much like his first two opponents in MMA, you have to scrape really down at the bottom of the barrel to get Nikita Sopron, who has done phenomenally well since his tension bout and Dylan Kalikwa Oligo, the rooster, who came out to that sick Mikey Ruckus cover of that Allison Chain song. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um I think 
Yeah, so I think my big my big bold prediction is Tension versus Taiga um, for this year at the at the uh, Saitama Super Arena. I mean, I guess you know. Oh, well, actually, you know, here's here's something we could talk about. So, the uh, good friend, uh, combat sports advocate. Um, I know that's uh, John Hyun Ko's uh, word that he statement that he describes himself, but I'm going to also describe Cerebral Vigilante as that. Put out a potential uh, Ryzen New Year's Eve card that I think is very interesting. I'm going to read it off, Christian. I want to get I want to get your thoughts on what the uh, on, on what on how this fight card could be, um, or these are fights that he wants to see. I I will say. So, Takanori Gomi, who said that he will be having a fight New Year's Eve, he has publicly said that. Um, Takanori Gomi versus, now, I'm very bad at Brazilian names, as you know, Hacius Calvicante. Yeah. Um, Melvin Manhoof versus Soko Diju. Miku. Um, Mikuru Azukura versus Darren Cruikshank. The Detroit Superstar. Kickboxing, Taiju Shiratori versus our boy Kaito Ono. Uh-huh. Kita Nakamura versus Neiman Gracie. Neiman Gracie. Uh, Josh Barnett versus Vitaly Minikov. That would be fun. And in kickboxing, Danilo Zanolini <laughs> versus... Chingiz Alazov. Hmm. What do you think about these potential matchups that he put out that he would like to see? I'm going to list these off bout by bout. Okay. Zanolini versus Alazov. I'm not really that well versed into kickboxing to actually, you know, understand it. But Alasov is a monster, as is Zanolini, so that would be a good fight. Taitu Shiratori versus Kaito Ono, that would be a fight that the Japanese fans would definitely love, because both of these men are shoeboxers, as well as kickboxers, so of course they would love that. Josh Barnett versus Vitaly Milikov and Melvin Madhope versus Raymond Fili Sokoju. I think those fights would be in, but only because of the fact that Josh Barnett has been wanting to fight in Japan for so damn long it kills him. Well, not really, of course. And Melvin Madhope has been wanting to fight in Japan since the dream days. But he just hasn't been really... I mean, basically, he's been traveling all around the world. And he misses fighting in Japan. But pairing him up against a bald-headed Ramon Deary Sokuju probably wouldn't be the best of options. If you've seen Sokuju at that Valor Bare Knuckle show, you would understand. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but also here's the thing as well. Josh Barnett, we talked to him when we were when we were covering the Bellator, the Bloodsport show, um, a few months ago, and I asked him about his status with Bellator, and he said that he's getting kind of frustrated because they haven't asked him to even have a fight. 
So is that so? So he sounds like he has a contract, but nothing has ever come out of a fight. Um, and he has told me that, but he also also did mention that he has had no talks with Ryzen at all, even though he does have fighters like um, Victor Henry and Alyssa Garcia who fight in Ryzen. So um, nothing. He, he said he, that's what he told us that nothing's been asked. So I guess him. it would make sense for him to have a fight against Vitali Minakov. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, when it comes to the other two fights, Yamikuru Asakura ain't, Asakura ain't gonna, you know, fight the best in Bellator. I mean, even though it's gonna suck to see Darren Cook shanking a rising ring again because of, you know, his background and his troubles, especially earlier this year when it came out that he was basically doing some pretty disrespectful shit in Japan, basically mocking Asian people. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Asakura knock Cookshank down a peg. I just hope that we get a chance to interview Cookshank before he, you know, Faces his execution date. <laughs> I'll say this: I've tried to arrange interviews with Darren Cruikshank many a time, and it has not worked out. So probably, unfortunately, I don't think that will happen. Right. right. Uh, but also here's and the thing: I got before we go into the. Before we go into the I just yeah. wanted to say something about that fight. Um, I don't know if that fight is something that because here's the thing: Mikuru has said that he doesn't really want to fight at light at lightweight. He wants to do featherweight. And I'm pretty sure that Darren Cruikshank ain't going down the featherweight anytime soon. So I'm not so sure if that fight would be, is, is, is if, if this is like, would you think, would it have to be like a, a, a catch weight maybe? You know? Probably so. I at see. like 67 kilos, which would, no wait, actually at like 68 kilos, which would be 147. I see. In pounds. I see. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh-huh. And as far as Takanoi Gomi versus Jay-Z Calvon or JSS Calvacante, Calvacante's been wanting to fight in Japan again, the same as Andre Dita Amade for at least the last year. And Takanoi Gomi's been wanting to prove, you know, just how much, I mean, just how strong he still is while being labeled as the old guy in the room. So I wouldn't mind seeing that as a legend's fight because it's basically the best of pride in Gomi versus the best of dream and you need XC in Jay-Z Calvon. Well, here's the thing as well. Um, uh, Calv- Calv- How do you pronounce his last name again? Calvacante. Calvacante hasn't fought. Is he retired? He hasn't fought in a while. I thought he was retired. Uh, let me check. Because I know it's been a while since he fought. I mean, I know it's been a while since he fought. I mean, obviously, he's been doing jiu-jitsu tournaments, but he hasn't fought in a while. I mean, I know a lot of people know him from K1 Heroes and Dream and Dynamite USA show, but... Still, oh, he has not fought since April 2018 when he lost in Brave Sea Up in Brazil to Ivan Ahelia. 
So he's only he's been also come up with a three fight losing streak with him losing in Titan FC as well. Um, okay, so hmm. if so, I yeah, he's currently riding a three fight losing streak in between that all three of his most recent losses to Kurt Hollabaugh, Alan Omir, and Ekibon Bahalia, all TKO losses in the Fourth, third, and second rounds perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's an interesting matchup, I guess. If you're a long time Pride JMMA Dream fan, I'm sure that fight would mean a lot to you. But I don't know if like that's the type of fight that Ryzen would want to. I mean, you can't. They can You know, there's kind of they kind of book fights that you know. I don't want to say that people want to see, but like I, I mean. What would be like? Here's the thing: if if Cavalcante wants to do, wants to get that fight, you know, maybe you should pull some like Shemitov viral marketing shit to like try oh, to. Oh no! I mean, are you sure you want to have him pull some Vitaly Shemitov like shit? Because let's be honest, you know, I I don't I don't think that the I don't think that the modern Ryzen fan who's who wasn't watching Pride and all that stuff. Are going to really? They want to see Gomi. I don't know against who, but I don't know if their first their the first name that comes to mind is Calvacante. My personal belief is if Gomi wants to fight, I would like to see Gomi versus Kawajiri. Presuming Kawajiri has an official retired, only because these two should fight for the last time, and then they should both hang up at the same time. You mean like on a Yarnoka type of card? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, not even Yarnoka. I guess a Yarnoka would be fine, or if you want to have it, like, you know. I I, I mean, if they're going to do 20 fights on this on this show, why the fuck not, you know, just add it as a fight. I um, mean, if anything, you could have, like, a short little five to eight fight card for the Yarnoka portion, and then have your 12 to 15 fights on the main rising card. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do yet another Yaranoka thing here. I want, you know, it's it's it almost seems like they kind of have to. If they don't, if they're going to have 20 fights on one fucking show, I would be so surprised. Right, um right. What do you think about Keita Nakamura versus Naaman Gracie? Taro Nakamura says he wants to be the pillar of the rise in welterweight division. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up facing off against somebody like a Naman Glacy on that Bellator Japan card. I just don't think it would fit the Ryzen 20 card. Yeah. Um, you know, the of course, the Japan, the Japanese love the Gracies. Let's get it real. I mean, let's not get it twisted. Well, here's the thing, you know, he went, he he blasted through one jujitsu guy. Why not go through another jujitsu guy? Make him, you know, make him like the, a Grace, do like a Gracie Hunter or like a jujitsu Hunter gimmick maybe, for his first few fights. I don't know. I think that'd be interesting. I think it's an interesting matchup. I know we we kind of like. I think we both said that we were interested in seeing Ed Roof, 
versus Nakamura. But I'll be honest, after his fight with uh, Jason Jackson, I don't know. I, I think the Ed Roof hype train is kind of, kind of dipped. Especially since his loss to uh, Gracie and his, what I thought was a loss to Jason Jackson. Um, I think that Ed Roof needs to, unless, you know, he needs to kind of branch, he needs to, I don't want to say get better, but he needs to um, improve, I'll say improve in certain aspects of fighting more, lest he become potentially a welterweight Aaron Pico if he doesn't choose to just, you know, just improve the way that he fights. That was, a, that was a great match, by the way, between him and uh, Ed Roof and uh, Jason Jackson. Yeah, especially because of the fact that Ed, I mean, especially because of the fact that Jason Jackson was coming into Bellator off the back of winning an LFA title. And he was a major underdog in that fight, and he knocked him down a bunch of times, Ed Roof. Um, I have no idea how Ed, how Ed, well, how the, how a judge gave Ed Roof that that decision. Very, very stupid in my opinion. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, so far they've only announced two matches for the Bellator show. The, uh, Michael Chandler, just, uh, I was about to say Jackson. Michael Jack, Michael Chandler, uh, uh ben Michael Chandler, Benson, and Benson, too. Yep, and, um, and the, um, uh, obviously the Rampage Fedor match. Um, very interesting to put that fight on a Japanese card. The uh, Henderson Chandler match. Um, it's a little bit. I think that's a. Uh, I think it's a little bit. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they went with that. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Putting that fight on on a Japanese show. I mean, even a way. Benson hasn't fought in Japan since he won the UFC lightweight belt there against Frankie Edgar in 2011. So it would make sense. And Michael Chandler's been wanting to fight in Japan for the longest, so that too would also make sense. But I really think it's more of Paramount Network's doing because they basically... You know, what fights that would appeal to their demo, that would appeal to them. Hmm. I guess so. I guess I guess they kind of want to showcase Bellator more. Um, kind of show like, hey, we're Bellator and this is who we have on our roster. I think they're going to, that's the thing. I think that Bellator is going to try to pick their best fighters to be on this card. Um, I'll tell you who I hope gets on the card. I'm a big fan of, of this guy, Patrick Mix. Have you seen him before? Oh, I mean, I heard about the former four-division King of the Cage world champion. Undefeated. I haven't actually seen him compete. Undefeated. Um, I think he's two and zero and three and zero in Bellator, and he um he um had a very incredible win over um. Oh shit! I'm forgetting who he. Uh, he he backpacked. Um, this was at the New York um, Bellator New York card. Um, Ricky. Um, oh my God. Uh, Ricky Bandeas. I think it was Ricky Bandeas. 
where he backpacked Ricky uh, Bandeas and got a rear naked choke on him. Like, in the first round, within, like, the maybe the first minute or two. Incredible guy. And he just, I think he uh, finished his, his most recent opponent as well. He's definitely a guy that Bellator needs to hang on to. Um, definitely a guy who could get really, really, you know, he could definitely, like, be a huge guy for them. Um, if they, as long as they hang on to him, you know, they don't feed him to the wolves, you know, give, give him, you know, build him up properly. Um, and then, yeah, an incredible fire, Patrick mixes. I recommend people look, uh, pay attention to this guy. Uh, also goes by a nickname, Patchy. Patrick Patchy Mix. Um, oh yes, it was, his most recent opponent that he, that he finished was, uh, Isaiah Chapman with a, um, he did the, um, what do you call it, the, uh, the Sulo stretch. Now, remember, um, I think, Ajamain Sterling and Islam Makachev both did that on the same card, uh, for a UFC show. You mean the Sulev stretch? Yes, yes, Sulev stretch. Yeah, remember, remember, they both did that as a finish on the same card, like totally unheard of, like such a, a rare submission, and it happened twice. I forgot which uh, UFC show it was. Um, but I'm just curious to know who do you? It was a show from last year, I think. Yeah, um, curious to know who do you, who else do you think this Bellator show will have? To be quite honest, I really. So, no, as long as Raina Kubota is not on the Bellator Japan card, I'm all right with it. I got you, I got you. Um, question, big question. So, Yoshinori Hore, a now former UFC fighter, um, do you think we'll see him in Ryzen at some point? Honest, I won't be surprised if he does go to Ryzen, but considering the fact that he made his name in Pam Grace before going into the UFC, I won't be surprised if he ends up going back there first. I, I was trying to remember if he was lightweight or featherweight, and yeah, he's a uh, featherweight fighter, and um, I would not be surprised if we see him in Ryzen, I'll just say that. Um... He seems tailor-made for Ryzen. Ryzen gets a lot of UFC fighters who are from Japan uh, who will get released. Uh, they either go to Ryzen or they go to one. Uh, I've apparently learned. Okami going to one. Um, Kawajiri initially going to one, but then going to Ryzen. Obviously, Nakamura going from UFC to Ryzen. Same thing with Strasher Kichi. Yeah, so I would not be surprised if... if, if if uh, Ryzen makes him an offer, especially because they need featherweights. And so, they want to have someone in the featherweight division? He's a guy that, that's tailor-made to be a featherweight, not a lightweight, a featherweight who has to pretend to be a lightweight. Right, right. Um, one, of the, one of the last topics I would like to ask you about, Christian, as well, um... We talked. Uh, we should have talked about it before because we were talking about the Rock and BMF title. Is the Rock will be playing the specimen Mark Kerr in some upcoming MMA movie that he will be, I presume, producing and also starring in as Mark Kerr. What are your thoughts on this? On the Rock taking on the role of Mark Kerr. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to 
retarded. I mean, first of all, when it comes to the action from the people in the building, when The Rock said that he was playing Mark Kerr, it should have gotten a bigger pop. It should have gotten more... It should have gotten a bigger reaction than what it got because, you know, the fact that only very few people clapped and the others were like, what the fuck is this? Who the fuck is Mark Kerr? It's sad because those are not only casual fans, those are, you know, people who only give a shit about Conor McGregor or Kobe Covington or John Jones. Fighters like those, they don't really care about the past UFC fights. Actually, I want to ask about that. I want to just briefly ask you about that. Yeah, I know that pissed off a lot of people. And even The Rock, I think The Rock was taken aback by, you know, oh, these people aren't really going crazy. Even The Rock, if, even for The Rock, who announced that. So, was this a press, this was a press conference. So, the USC allows fans into these press conferences, right? This wasn't a closed-off press conference, was it? No, it was not. Okay, first of all, I hate uh, press conferences should only be allowed for the press. I've always believed that. Don't allow the riffraff in, in my personal belief. That's my personal opinion on uh, on uh, these uh, on um, press conferences. Um, so hold on. So was the reaction was the reaction of the was the, of the press or was it the fans that was the issue, or the both? Fans. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, here's the thing, um, hmm, I like to give the benefit of the doubt, I don't know if it's pure ignorance or stupidity why they didn't know who Mark Kerr was, but would you say that Mark Kerr, where, where, where in terms of like MMA history, where was, where would Mark Kerr be in terms of like MMA history, is he like a George Washington where he's very, very important. Or is he kind of like, I don't know, an Andrew Jackson, who is like, who has significance, but obviously not as much significance as a George Washington when it came to being president. Like, when it comes to, like, the original UFC or MMA stars, obviously, you know, Bass Rutin, um, Ken Shamrock, Dan Severin, those are names that people will know. Uh, and who associate with early MMA, um, the early uh, birth of MMA uh, in America. Mark Kerr, uh, now also, the, the, here's the other thing about Mark Kerr. He didn't have a long stint in the UFC. He was basically, he made his name in pride. Um, so, is it almost, I'm going to play devil's advocate, is it kind of understandable why these fans didn't recognize the name when it was announced? Or do you think that as Fife fans, it's their responsibility to at least know who he is? They may have seen his fights, but at least know who the specimen Mark Kerr is. Sorry. No, take your time. Take your time. Uh, I think when it comes to... Fight fans, I'm not saying they should know who 
years. Because not that many people know about him, but they should do their research when it comes down to caring about these fighters. When it comes down to, you know, learning more about these fighters, because I think the more you know about somebody, the more you understand them. And I think when it comes when it came to these casual fans, they really didn't understand Mark Kerr. They really didn't show a lot of love for Mark Kerr because, in a way, Mark Kerr, yeah, he was one of the first American stars to gain to gain success in Japan, but. I do think that, you know, Mark Kerr is one of the most underrated competitors that, you know, has ever competed not only in Japan, but throughout the world representing the U.S. That's what I think, but I do think that the casual fans should have at least you know, done their research about it. Well, here's the thing. The casual fans are never going to know who Mark Kerr is uh, up until when this movie comes out, maybe. But here's the thing. It seems like more that, like, you know, I think the people who attend these press conferences tend to be more the hardcore fans, you know, the Just Bleed fans, the fans who will wait, you know, if Conor McGregor says, bring your, bring a bottle, bring a, buy a bottle of Proper 12, and, and you'll be invited to a press conference. These are the types of people that go to those press conferences. Uh, or, you know, the ones who wear tap-out shirts or affliction shirts. Those are the ones that go to these, sh- these shows. I don't think the casuals are going to um, go into these uh, press conferences, really. Casuals will tune in, but they won't go to these press conferences. I, that's my impression, at least. I could be entirely wrong, but that's how I at least... That's how it appears to me. So, is it worse, maybe, that, that the hardcore fight fan, that the modern hardcore fight fan may not even know who Mark Kerr is. I think it is sad that the modern fight fan don't really know much about the world of mixed martial arts before you got your stars like Conor McGregor, John Jones, Ronda Rousey, what Kobe Covington now. <laughs> But I do think that it's not too late for them to learn about stuff from the past. You know, just to at least, you know, get that, I'm not saying get that nostalgia trip, but at least to understand them a bit more. Like, here's a hint, going back to the whole boxing discussion we had earlier about the KSI Logan Paul fight. They're going to basically have like stars like Devin Haney and Billy Joe Saunders on the undercard, a bunch of hot young prospects, you know, with undefeated records and stuff. But all the people are really going to be interested in seeing is KSI versus Logan Paul. And I do think that if those casuals get a chance to, you know, watch that Billy Joe Saunders fight and watch that Devin Haney fight, before the KSI Logan Paul fight that may or may not be a clusterfuck, 
I do think that, you know, you're going to see more of these casual fans say, hey, you know, Billy Joe Saunders is cool. Hey, Kevin Haney is cool, too. Let's go ahead and support these guys more instead of, you know, whatever KSI and Logan Paul are doing. I hate to be a cynical asshole, Christian, but I don't think that's going to happen at all. The people who tune in to KSI, Logan Paul 2, do not care about Devin Haney, Billy Joe Saunders, or any any other real box on that card. They're only tuning in for KSI and Logan Paul. And they'll forget who they are by the time that KSI and Logan Paul uh, do their walkouts. Yeah, but here's the thing. That's also, I mean, that also goes for if Haney and Saunders do something in their respective bounce that, you know, may be seen as viral. I guess so, potentially, but I don't, I don't, I think, I think the audience t- tuning into this is not going to be, the, 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 the Haney Saunders are not on their radar at all. Absolutely not. I don't, and they'll be forgotten by the time the show is over. Because also, you know, let's be honest, the mo- who's going to get the most public, public, pub, Publicity from this uh, match. It's going to be KSI and it's going to be Logan Paul. They're going to reap all the benefits and the people on the bottom of the card are going to reap none of, of the benefits, I think, from, from being on this show. That's my personal, uh, personal opinion. Uh, the, but I, I want to also say this as well. So, I want... I, I'm trying to remember which Grammys show it was. It's from two or three years ago. Maybe you remember this. So... There was... I mean, I don't watch the Grammys. I don't watch any other award show, but I probably might get what you're about to talk about. So, there was a... Uh, when uh, Paul McCartney came out to give an award or get an award or something, I have no idea what it was, there was all these youngins on the social medias who were who was saying, oh, who is this Paul McCartney guy? The Beatles never heard of them. Um, and it became apparent. I don't know. You know, I get what you're saying. They were basically saying that if it wasn't for Kanye West, who's now gone off deep end, and Rihanna, you know, they were basically saying that Paul McCartney was only famous off of those two. Well, also, what I'm going by is the fact is that, you know, that. Maybe the audience has gotten younger and or has changed for UFC uh, to the point that no longer are the people who were familiar with Mark Kerr are watching or really paying attention to UFC or like or ten, or like the, those they're the ones who are in the um, who, who who attended this press conference by any chance. Do you, does that make sense? Because, um, you know, audiences for, for many things change over time. Uh, for the positive and for the negative. And perhaps MMA has just one of those, um, it's just one of those where, you know, there was a time where, you know, if this were 20 years ago, uh, maybe Mark Kerr would have gotten an exceptional reaction. The Rock doing a Mark Kerr movie would have gotten an incredible reaction. But since the audience has changed since when Mark Kerr was 
a fighter, uh, war when when his um when those fans were maybe still watching, maybe that's why he didn't get the react. The Rock did not get the reaction when he uh gave out the name. Does that make sense? That that or the fact that many people stopped caring about Mark Kerr, you know, after that documentary came out that HBO aired nearly 18 years ago and before the final fight that he had with King Mo, who, by the way, is going to be retiring soon as well. Uh, so, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's another thing as well is that, um, yeah, you got to look at that fight, you know, that mach- that the Smashing Machine documentary was actually a pretty well known documentary. Um, it got a lot of hype. Um, it was like one of the first MMA documentaries that was made um, for the uh, Like Water with uh, Anderson Silva, uh, and I'm trying to think of some other ones that were pretty famous. There was the Notorious uh, about Conor McGregor. So yeah, you know that uh, that. Trying to think of it. Did you see that recent ESPN documentary of Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. Was it good? No, I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm only trying to. I mean, I hope that the podcast version of it is out so that I can listen to it. Oh well. Oh, I think I heard about this. Didn't Tito Ortiz like say that like it was a UFC biased documentary, so it didn't. So like it made him look bad or something. I don't know, but I'm willing to bet so, considering the fact that it came out of his mouth. Uh, speaking of Tito, uh, this would be a good segue. Taking on T, we'll be taking on Alberto Del Rio for Combody Americas. You know what? I have one gripe about that. I mean, I know it's going to be on December seventh. I know it's going to be on pay per view with. Could possibly explain why Comanche Americas hasn't been on the zone lately, as far as English commentary goes. <laughs> but the one thing I do have, the one gripe that I have is, out of all the places you could book the event to take place at, why the hell would you pick it in the Rio Grande Valley area of Texas? More specifically, McAllen, which is right here, the U.S.-Mexico border? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, You'll you have to explain the significance of that, Christian. I don't fortunately know uh, that much about Texas borders and all that stuff. Well, let me go ahead and explain it to when you get down to the Rio Grande Valley area, I mean, it's like it's like when you get to the Rio Grande Valley area for a big time MMA card, it's the same thing as going to Corpus Christi for a WWE show. You're going to get a crowd that don't really care much about the fights. You're going to get a crowd that you know, basically just there to be there. And, I mean, to think, I mean, I can understand they didn't want to have it in Mexico. They didn't want to have it in Southern California. They didn't want to have it in Spain because, of course, 
around that time, they will be going through a cold snap just like we are here in the States. <laughs> but I really don't see why you would have the event in the Rio Grande. I mean, in the Rio Grande Valley area, aside from the fact that it's hot as hell down there during that particular time of the year. But I still don't really... I mean, I just don't understand. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, the bias in me is wishing that it would have been in Houston or it would have been in the Dallas Fort Metro Metro, which I loathe. Because, you know, they already... I mean, they're going to have an AEW show coming up in December in, in Garland, Texas, which is in the DFW Metroplex. But I don't... I mean, I just think that there could have been tens of other places, tens of other different places that they could have... <laughs> ah, that Comanche Americas could have had that event other than McAllen, Texas in the dead of December. But, you know, as long as it can get asked, as long as the Tito... Versus Alberto fight can get asses in the seats, get people interested, and get media buzz, not just from English-speaking media, but Spanish-speaking media. You know, people are going to enjoy it. At least I hope so. Oh, it'll because definitely get buzz. Because if they don't enjoy it, Campbell McLaren is fucked. So this is going to be on traditional pay-per-view, you said, right? It's not going to be on the zone, right? traditional pay-per-view, which also means it's probably going to be on fights as well. Did they say how much it's going to be? They said it was going to be I think like around 15 to 30 bucks. 15 to 30 bucks? It's got to be more. It's got to be like 30, right? 30 or 40, right? You know what? You're right. It's probably 30 or 40. I can't see that being anything or anywhere near fifteen, and, and well, as of now, you know. I could be wrong, but you know that just screams like that screams like one of those things where like where they're gonna really charge for the show, um, just because like I mean like obviously look who they're bringing in Tito and um, Del Rio. Yeah, and they basically made all this money trying to hype the fight off and having Lupe Contreras. Be the narrator for it. And who's Lupe Contreras? Lupe Contreras is a Houston-based ring announcer who used to do ring announcing for boxing on Telemundo and Univision, and is mostly like the go-to ring announcer for when you don't have Michael Buffer, you don't have Jimmy Lennon Jr., and you don't have somebody like Thomas Triver, who's from San Antonio, or Joe Martinez, you know, to cover for you. <laughs> I see. Oh, so, so, uh, okay. So, like, he's the guy when nobody else is available that they go to. Is there any other fights on that card that are going to be worth watching, or is it just going to be a one-fight card, basically? Um, actually, they 
just announced for the they just announced for the bike card that there will be two that there will be two bikes on this card, one of which is for a title. Let me go ahead and check real quick because I know we gotta end this soon because I know we're getting like close to the three hour mark. Hmm. Um, but still, let me see if I can't search it real quick. <laughs> yes. I apologize to the listeners, but normally I'm not this down in voice when I'm doing this podcast. I basically just had to go through a battle with the common cold and the sore throat at the same time. So please forgive me, but still... There's two fights on this Tito versus Alberto card that have just been announced as of a couple of days ago. The first Comanche America's Women's World Champion will be decided as somebody by the name of Melissa Supermelli Martinez, who is 5-0 overall, all five of her wins via stoppage, will face off against Desiree Yanez, Waco, Texas, who is 4-1 overall, 75% of her wins via stoppage. Also, a catch weight bout at 117 pounds, featuring Marcel Rulas, who is 1-2 overall, representing Team Top Notch, Chicago, Illinois, will take on a name that you probably may or may not be familiar with. Are you familiar with the name Sexy Star? Ah, yes, former Lucha Underground's world champion. Yeah, well, she's now an MMA, and she's going by her actual name, Dulce Garcia Rivas, and she will be taking on Marisol Rulas on this card. Interesting. Garcia, by the way, is 1-0 as a professional mixed martial artist, but everybody knows her as the mop to race shooter because, of course... Well, just ask Rosemary. I'm pretty sure she'll tell you some horror stories about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, one thing I can ask about, you know, the fact that Kamachi America is hiring people like Sexy Star and Melissa Cervantes, a.k.a. Thunder Rosa, who is also a professional wrestler, and the fact that Manny Bermudez recently got cut from the UFC, might go there. I mean, do you think that Kombachi Americas may end up being the landing spot for some of these Latin American fighters or fighters who aren't even Latin American in general? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Especially if they're going to be they're doing this whole... Uh... This whole card in uh, Rio Grande, where the fuck did you say it was going to be? Yeah? The Rio Grande Valley area, which is in Texas. Which yeah. is in South Texas, deep South Texas, near the U.S. border. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This, this is going to be, you know, this, it's a, you know, just like Japan shows are for the uh, fighters from Japan who uh, get cut. This I think that uh, Combate Americas will be for the American fighters 
Um, I mean, not American, the, the Mexican fighters who as well get cut from UFC or Spanish fighters. Well, not just the Mexican fighters, but the Latin American fighters as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. So I think that both will uh, benefit from this, uh, from being uh, cut from the UFC probably. At least that's my, that's my guess. Right, right, right. But I, I, I won't. Uh, that's a one fight card, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's and it's only it's between Tito and Del Rio, and I think that's what probably a lot of people will be turning tuning into as well. Yeah, and of course, that fight only. That fight is only on the marquee because Campbell McLaren, you know, sees it as a potential moneymaker. And if it don't, <laughs> and in a way, he's going by the old mantra, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Yeah. I think he'll definitely make the dollars. I think a lot of, I think, I think, I think. I think it will definitely get people to tune in um, to that to that to that show. I don't know how many people, but I think it will get more than that bare knuckle card did when they um, had um, Lobov and um, uh, who was the opponent? Uh, Malinagi. Um, Holly Malinagi. Yeah, I think that'll get. I think that, I think I think this show because didn't uh, wasn't Combat America's like didn't that get like the most amount of people. For like, or like, get the most amount of ratings for like some like MMA like one week or something. Yeah, it was basically for what they've been shown. Yeah. U N I V I S I O N. Yeah, so they have more. I think there's definitely more of a of an audience for um, Combate Americas than bare, than bare knuckle boxing. Um, so I think definitely uh, we'll see. I think I think it'll probably do well. I'm gonna guess. Um, you know, obviously I think we can make, we all know who's going to win though. I mean, like, unless Tito Ortiz falls and like snaps his back or something, um, like Tito should absolutely win. Like no if, ands, or buts. Oh yeah, well that's a simple. You can go on our SoundCloud, which is We Are Rising, and uh, uh, just we have all of our shows there from the very beginning since we first started this whole gig. Um, we have a YouTube channel, which is Dormant, which has still has some of our shows on there, some of our interviews. But uh, I'm looking to uh, hopefully focus on that a little bit more in the future. Can't prompt, can't say when. Or when exactly we'll have, will that will be um, I guess getting more attention. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, you can also get us on Stitcher, 
which is a podcast app for Android. Um, I think it's also for iPhone. I could be wrong about that, but there is um, but it's def it was definitely made for Android more so than um than iPhone. If it is on iPhone, and uh, uh, yeah, that's how you can uh, that's how you can uh, reach us. Um, also, also, let me go ahead and get. Let me go ahead and get focused by something. We cover combat, sports, events, and prospects from all over the globe. The MMA scenes of Japan, Russia, South Korea, the UK, and the US. Pretty much every other continent but Antarctica <laughs> will be emphasized. If you want to follow us on all forms of social media, you can do that. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Focus Fights. YouTube channel, we're still trying to get the kinks out on that. We're still trying to get a proper URL for that. But as soon as we do, we can, you know, bring all that delicious content to you. And also, the best damn MMA blog, period. Mm -hmm. Facebook.com slash the MMA opinion. Where you can check out not only some of the best fight results, but also some of the best... Well, the best blogs as far as MMA goes on Facebook. I mean, we try to do the best that we can. I work with a crazy crew on both Focus Fights and the MMA opinion. So if you support them, I'm pretty sure we'll do all we can to give you some of the best content that there is. And also, uh, you can I write for MMAstucker.com. Um, oh, yes. That you do. So and you can go ahead and check them out on Twitter, right? At MMA Sucker. Yep. And uh, we have our own website, MMAsucker.com, um, where all of our stuff is posted. Um, and, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I write mostly the uh, Japanese uh, Ryzen stuff because that's the shit I know. So, uh, so yeah, that's the stuff I focus. I occasionally write about other things, but yeah, I try. Most of the stuff I write for is about Ryzen, um, and all that. Hmm. You know, time to think of it. One more thing we can talk about. You know, as long as you guys don't have a full-scale walkout like the folks at Deadspin did yeah. this past week. I mean, it just will prove that people have, you know, it just proves that there's still a such thing as free journalism. We don't want to put anybody behind a paywall or anything. We don't want to bullshit you with, you know, extra dollars trying to pay for cheap content that you could have listened to, you could have read about hours earlier, like some people. You know, I just want to give you the best fight content that we possibly can and some of the best Japanese and the talk that we possibly can give to you, even if it's about one promotion. I mean, as, as we say when it comes to, no, actually, we don't really have a saying or mantra or slogan, but as long as we're just shooting the shit or, you know, providing you with 
some of the best rising talk that we possibly can give. I mean, still, we've done all that we can, and then we hope that you guys just enjoy us because we don't want to have to. I mean, let's face it, we do want to be paid eventually for this, and also, one more thing, shout-outs to Rick Tittle of Sports Byline USA out in Northern California. I called his show late last week. He mentioned the podcast, and, you know, <clears throat> hopefully that'll mean <clears throat> because of me, you know, we're going to have a lot more listeners to, you know, we're going to have a lot more listeners listening to us from California and places like that. But as long as y'all can get the word out about us, we won't cheap you out with anything that you wouldn't want to hear. We just want to give you some of the best content that you would want to listen to and that we know that you would enjoy. So that's all I got to say, you know, for us for now. Thank you for listening to us on the We Are Rising podcast, and we are equally grateful that you are listening to us, or you had listened to us shoot the shit. But other than that, I mean, I'm too sick in my voice to, you know, throw it over to Lenny Hart, obviously, because we all know what she says. But I can say this, and it's from, I mean, I can say a little interpretation of this. It's a little phrase I've learned from a Houston radio legend named Robert Baseman Washington, who passed away a couple of years ago due to natural causes. And it's, love and hate can never be friends, so why don't you take the time to love each other? Or, in the case of our profession, don't try and your way out. No. In the case of our profession, don't handle your problems with guns. Take it to the ring and fight like fight like people are supposed to fight. I agree other with that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But still, other than that, thank you for listening. Next time you hear us, it'll be with Johan Yusuf. And the Rising, no, it'll be with Johan Yusuf for the Rising 20 preview, and it'll be possibly with Deep to the Junk for the Bellator Japan preview. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. We're happy to bring you all this content, and we hope you enjoy another special shooting the shit edition of the We Are Rising podcast. Thank you, and goodbye wherever you may be listening to us from. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>